You are listening to PD in Pajamas, the only podcast where you can get professional development credit in your underwear. Our mission is to provide teachers with quality professional development on the go. Learn from real teachers and experts on topics that you care about. Listen anytime, anywhere. Enjoy season one, classroom management. So my name is Karamia Dorian. I grew up in the Bronx, New York City. Um, I came to Idaho for the first time when I was 15 to go to a summer camp, decided I wanted to graduate from high school, move to Boise, go to Boise State and become a teacher. So I went back home and told my parents that and they said that was great. So I came out here in 2006 and attended Boise State University. I graduated in 2010 with a degree in elementary education and um I have been teaching here since I left for two years and taught in Ireland. Um, and then I came back and I'm teaching here again. So that's me oh, in a nutshell. So, so we'll come, we'll circle back, but I did not know you taught in Ireland. Yes. That's, mm-hmm. that's going to be, well, we're going to dive into that a little bit, but uh, what's uh so I went to Boise State too. I know we didn't take uh, the same classes, um, but did you learn about classroom management while you attended Boise State? I did. I had to take a classroom management class. It was part of the requirements for graduation. Do you do you remember anything about that? I do. I remember um, a few things about it. Um, I specifically remember one of the professors, the professor of that class, um, saying something that I totally agree with. Um, And he talked about how important it was to establish a classroom culture where it's very positive and students are encouraged. Um, And that really needs to be the stepping stone at the beginning of the year. I think if you really endeavor to set a positive classroom environment up where students feel comfortable and welcome, then it really makes all the difference for setting the stage for teaching for the rest of the year. I specifically remember him talking about that. And I have really found that to be true, that if you invest your students and getting to know them and and making your classroom feel like a safe, comfortable, warm place, it's worth it. The students, it's just a much healthier environment and the students are ready to learn and make mistakes. So I do remember learning about that and I found that to be very true. But so do you feel like even though you had that um, classroom management course and that sounds Mm -hmm. like you learned something pretty Mm -hmm. valuable, do you feel like you were still ill-prepared going into this teaching Um, I don't feel like I was ill-prepared. Um, I just think that there were, I I mean, I feel like I was ready in that I had, um, professional judgment, a good professional judgment indicator and, and a lot of positive, you know, new ideas and a lot of enthusiasm, um, I just, I guess I didn't expect to get the job maybe that I did get because I think when you graduate, you think, at least as an elementary teacher, you're going to have one class in one building and deal with your students. And for me, my first year of teaching, I was, um, I was hired to teach kindergarten. I was hired after the school year began. Um, so it would, they, hi, they were using substitutes throughout the district to start the year. And so I was hired to teach AM kindergarten like three days after the school year had started. AM kindergarten in one school 
and then PM kindergarten in another school and had Labor Day weekend to set up two classrooms in two schools um, with two groups of students, which is how kindergarten works. But typically you're you're in one building in the same room, hopefully. Um, so that was something that I guess I never really considered would be my experience. You know, I guess I just sort of imagined I'd be in one room with one group of kids. And um, so that was really unique. It was you know, interesting having two classrooms and two schools. And on Friday spirit day, I would wear one shirt and then I'd go change during lunch and wear the other school shirt. And it was just really busy. And, um, I just remember thinking to myself at the end of the year, if I could do that, I could do anything because it was so much on top of being a first year teacher where you're just learning how to do the job as you would in any other job, but it's, it's just, you know, it takes a lot out of you because you're you're wanting to give it your all and do your best. And so it was just really busy. Uh, you said 2010. Were you like a December 2010 grad? Yes. And then I was um, I did compute the computer lab from January to June of 2011. And then I was hired like three days into the school year of September 2011. Going into uh, school year half going in halfway in the middle. It's just such an awkward time. And oh yeah, lots of challenges there. So your first job was where? Um, Lake Hazel Elementary, which is where I still teach. I taught AM kindergarten um, there and then PM kindergarten at Mary McPherson Elementary. And it was just for that first year. Then I was at Lake Hazel um, all day it was in Idaho. I've only taught in Lake Hazel since then. So, uh, okay, so you've been uh, with the West Data School District then? Um, yes. That's probably Meridian back then, huh? It was Meridian, <laughs> yep, Meridian Schools. One summer we came back and we were yeah. West Data. We were renamed, yeah. <laughs> which is great. I like it. Uh, well, I grew up in the West Data uh, School District. Okay. Meridian School District. I graduated from Centennial. So uh-huh. Awesome. I definitely have. Uh, Familiar with that area, uh, enjoyed it. Thought I was well educated. Yes, it was before I like Mountain. Mount, <laughs> before Mountain View and Rocky was open, and so another yeah. thing, it was like the biggest school. Okay, and, uh, it was a lot of chaos. I remember in my high school years because Mountain oh, really? View was about to open. Oh, okay, so, right, moving around and stuff. Yeah, it was uh, right before it's kind of exploded. It's a big district now, though. It's very. We're, we're the biggest district. In- we're the biggest in the state. We're the largest of its size in the country that operates on the smallest budget. Oh wow! Mm-hmm. We're very. I'm very proud. So, <laughs> Your, what's the name of your superintendent again? Uh, Dr. Marianne Reynolds. Reynolds, yeah. So she was a district administrator in the Twin Falls School District. Was she okay? I I I know I hear- she's had a lot of success i i don't know all of her background but um we've liked yeah. her well they they speak fondly of her here in in, in the twin falls area so yeah good they, we do too she's they, wonderful they, they kind of claim her as their own a little oh, bit. Do they? yeah <laughs> yeah yeah she's great so so you get into uh your first job as a kindergarten teacher right mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you show up there the first day can you tell me a little bit what, what the first day was like um the first day was really busy um i taught 
I mean, I was just getting kind of familiar with my students and getting to know their names. Um, snack time, handing out the milk and the snack is always an adventure um, in kindergarten. So that was quite busy. Um, and then just lunchtime, you know, I had a little cart, little tote. You know, I had to get everything that I needed in my car, make sure I had everything set, you know, drive over to the other school, get to the other school. That school I didn't know as well because I had student taught at Lake Hazel, so I was very familiar with the layout. So I, I kind of had to make sure I knew my way around, where everything was, how it was going to go. And then I was meeting a whole new set of students who had been, like I said, with a substitute teacher for the past few days and um, just introduced myself and it's snack time again and getting used to um, their names and just getting familiar with them and um it was great though. Both schools, um, well, Lake Hazel is kind of home, but both schools, the staffs were very, very good to me. Um, and I had, I had supportive parents and students. Um, so it was, it was just a really busy year going between the two buildings and, and, and making plans for the day with two different schools and assemblies and fire drills and different things going on. But, um, it was, it was a good experience. Like I said, I felt like I could do anything after, after it. You know, uh, there's something, and I've spent most of my career teaching high school, but I did teach, uh, elementary for a couple of years in kindergarten. And uh -huh. they, I didn't know this. I was young, I was young and a little naive. And they said, well, they're going to, I was teaching music and they said, you're going to finish uh, the kindergartner's day. So we're going to send them to you last. And then yep. by the way, I'm going to send them with all their backpacks. So you can right. line them up at the bus. Right. And uh, after not realizing the difficulty of lining up kindergartners after a full day, this was a full day uh, kindergarten mm -hmm. class that I, I honestly think I, I've, never done anything harder in my career than line up those, those kindergartners at the end it of the is, day. <laughs> I, <laughs> I know what you mean. Learning to line up and number order it, it takes weeks for them to learn how to line up and to get number order. And you just have to teach them how to be at school. So how to, how to do everything, how to open a glue stick, how to open their milk, where to put things in the garbage, where to put, you know, their pencils, if they need sharpened, where to put their lunch choice. Cause I do full day now. I mean, there's just, there's so much routine that they need to learn that in all the other grades, they have some sort of a background typically of some prior knowledge, but think, not kindergarten. <laughs> well, do you think that's where some of the elementary classrooms break down with adults teaching them is that we get to, we assume they know too much and we don't, uh, we go over their heads and that's where we get some behaviors. Perhaps, perhaps. Um, I, I think some, sometimes, especially with new teachers, they are more concerned with making the rooms look pretty and decorating and, and, and that's great. I, I, you have to have a nice looking classroom and the space has to work comfortably. I, I understand that, but not to the expense that students aren't taught all of the routines and expectations with where to put their pencils, where to line up, how to ask to go to the restroom. There's, they, they need it explained and spelled out 
to them and and they need to be reminded of it. It can't just be one time. They need to be explained. They have to, it has to be modeled. They have to understand and establishing those routines. I think, especially in kindergarten and in elementary years is so important. If you want your classroom to run well, you have to have those established routines and schedule and so that kids know what to expect. They just have to have it. I, I do think it's so important for for anything else to happen, they have to understand how things work, what to expect, how to do it. Like those routines are so important to learn just as much as learning, you know, all of their letters and all of their letter sounds. They have to have those in place and, and that'll add to them being comfortable in the classroom and they understand how to do things. And I do think it's really important. Well, you talk about being comfortable in the classroom and I think that routine and something as simple as a seating chart uh, kind of helps them feel more comfortable. Do you mm-hmm. feel like you, I'm sure, I don't know if I could name an elementary uh, teacher who doesn't do a seating chart, right? It's kind mm-hmm. of like, if I remember, it's a big deal there mm-hmm. in the elementary world. Would you, mm-hmm. would you agree with that? Yeah, I would so, agree. And mm-hmm. Well, I, and I guess uh, my other point I'm trying to get to is I... I've worked in a lot of secondary schools and I feel like uh, it's weird to see where we don't have seating charts and and it's about safety. When we talk about those kids feeling comfortable, I don't know. Do you think anything happens that they can have it in secondary schools? I'm teaching that for a moment, but what do you think about getting rid of a seating chart for a child? Getting rid of it for a child at what level? At the elementary level or at the high school level? or At, at, at high school or middle school? What do you think? I think that humans are creatures of habit. I think that humans like structure. I do. And I think my kindergartners like structure. I think it's the best thing for them. So I feel that a seating chart would, would really just help them. I mean, isn't there... Don't... A lot of high schoolers, just from what I've seen and heard, I've never taught it, you know, go to a classroom and typically sit in the same seat every day anyway. So I don't, I I don't know. I don't see how it would be something that would be really hard for them. Um, It wouldn't, it wouldn't particularly have bothered me. I think people like that routine and and knowing what's expected of them. And um, I I don't think it hurts (laughs) in the upper grades anyway. um, It's needed in the lower grades. Um, but in the upper, I, I guess maybe it depends on the teacher and the class and the, and the situation, but I don't think it hurts. Well, I think the reason we focus so much on it in elementary is a social emotional safety of a child. Mm-hmm. And we kind of forget that when they look so old and they look, you know, I go, there's high schoolers that look older than me and they'll have mm-hmm. a beard. And I'm like, oh, right. you're, still, you're still, I you got to still see them as, you know, you're still like that elementary child and you need yeah. safety and structure. And we yeah. forget that along the way. So I think that's a really valuable part of uh, elementary teaching that, that we can continue on. Mm-hmm. Um, so as I, I like to bring in a little bit of uh, research, uh, I like Marzano and I, I do talk about him a lot with his classroom management. And uh-huh. where I think, I think uh, uh, kindergartners are especially funny and mm-hmm. are comical and respond well to humor. So how mm-hmm. have you ever used humor in the classroom? So he, 
he describes it as, as self-directed humor is appropriate in the classroom for mm-hmm. engagement. So what do you mm-hmm. think, uh, what do you think about how humor plays into your classroom? I absolutely think it's important. I think the students love it when they, when you make a joke or you say something funny and, or when they see you laughing about something, they, they want to know what it is. And I think, I think it's important to have fun with your students. I think it's part of building that relationship with them and, and letting them see that, you know, that side of you and, and, and allowing that to be a part of your classroom. I, I think it's great. I, I'm fully in support of it. And um, kids are very funny. They're very truthful. Um, and I, I think I think it's great. <laughs> Have you ever used it? I have. I have used it. I've used it for... Um, just different things. A lot of times I feel like it just comes up on the spot, you know, almost just in the moment as you're going through your day or you, or you make a joke about something or um, include it in on, on one of your, on one of your math lessons or something like, you know, we're working on two plus five and I give them like a really, really hard problem or something that they know is that I'm just being funny, you know, or something like that. Uh, I don't know. I, I am. I use self-directed humor because I have naturally I've lost my hair in my late 20s and uh, I can always make bald jokes. And it seems to go over well with kids. Um, but I ne- I don't know if you have ever met a sarcastic teacher where they use uh-huh. sarcasm with a student. Have you ever experienced that? Yes, I think uh, I think sarcasm doesn't really work in kindergarten. Um they don't really get it. And I, I don't, and my personal opinion is I don't really like to use sarcasm in the classroom. I, I think it kind of can be confusing for children, but especially at the kindergarten level where they don't understand they're, they're so literal. Um, but I have met some sarcastic teachers and some people that's their style, but it's um, not one that I really use a lot. <laughs> Well, and, and I agree with you. I think it's actually, I think it's pretty harmful. And that's mm-hmm. why the research done on humor is the emphasis on self-directed humor so that we are not embarrassing kids. Right. right. I, I, mm-hmm. I just came from a middle school environment and how it's like walking a tightrope every day. And so if you were to embarrass a student in the classroom of 30, it's, you would lose some. it's something. Yeah. Uh, it's something that goes on forever. Mm-hmm. It, and I'm drawing back to my elementary year. What do you think about it? What's the appropriate voice level? Should you yell? Does that, how does that play into the classroom management of an elementary classroom? I don't think you should ever yell in, in a class, in an elementary classroom, um, ever. Uh, we talked about yelling one day in my classroom I remember, and and I said to my students, does Mrs. Dorian ever yell? And they all looked horrified at me. No, no. It's just, I don't think it's appropriate. Um, I don't think, I I don't like when I see adults yelling at each other. I don't think it's appropriate. So how is it appropriate to do it in an elementary classroom? I I disagree with it, and um, I don't think it helps anybody. So I'm guessing you have a stern voice, though, when you need to be. I think my students know when I'm being serious. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But it's not um, I I wouldn't even say it's elevated. I mean, it's just I speak I speak very clearly and very loudly 
in general, when I'm speaking, I, I, I don't ever think I need a speaker system or anything unless a student really needed it because I just project my voice so that everybody can hear me. But, um, I, I don't, I don't raise it or yell. Yeah. I, and I agree with you in the element and I'm not speaking just elementary. I think in all grades that we need to remove yelling from our classrooms. Um, right. You know, I, some kids, and it goes to where I think of some kids in their homes and lives we don't know, maybe they get yelled at a lot. And I would like school to be a place where kids don't get yelled at. So, uh, Becoming a great teacher is about being a great leader. If you want to add more leadership to your classroom, try out my book study of Brene Brown's book, Dare to Lead, available at cpd.nnu.edu. Click See the Course Catalog, then click CPD Online and select Dare to Lead Book Study to enroll. I really think you hit something that I, I know that I'm going to talk about in every one of these is that the most important thing we can do for classroom management is those relationships with our students. Mm-hmm. And so how do you develop the relationship with a student? Have you seen any benefits from that? How do you, how do, you do it in, in your setting? Oh, I, I think it's the most important thing you can do. Um, just from the very first day of school, they come to meet and greet, you know, the day before the first day of school. And, and I think you just, you introduce yourself to them. You're, you're very kind. You're, you ask them questions about themselves and, and just get involved, you know, learn about, you know, how many brothers and sisters they have, what things that they're interested in, you know, teach them what their spot in line is. This is where you're going to hang up your backpack. This is where you're going to put your things. You just build that relationship with them and their parents. I usually pick the recess studio that's out on the playground in the morning, out on the playground to greet each of them individually as they come in. How's your morning been? Did you have breakfast today? What did you eat? You know, just, just building that relationship, showing an interest in their lives and caring about genuinely caring about them. Um, it's just laying that, that groundwork every day, you know, and, and then you do, you build relationships with them that last beyond your, your year with them. You know, they, they want to come back and say hello to you and they remember you and they remember little things about kindergarten and then their siblings want to be in your class. And I think it's just, it's just so valuable to ask them those questions that, that they're interested in and things about themselves and learn about their lives so that they, um, that they feel comfortable and safe. Uh, I like that you said that you you volunteer for the recess duty before school. I you have to pick one, so I usually pick the one that's before as they're arriving. You know, they're coming to the playground. I'm usually there so that they're I'm the first face that they see when they get to the playground. Uh, that's a good. That's a really good tip because I'm sure that's where you can have those conversations that are not all school. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. How was your weekend? And sometimes the parents drop them off and say hello, or they have a question about something and that's helpful too. So, yeah. Another thing we see a lot of these videos on YouTube of, um, elementary teachers greeting their kids as they come in with like special handshakes or, you know, you've probably seen those online, uh-huh. um, but but what I think people don't understand, and maybe uh, teachers don't understand, just you don't need to be that fancy, but just being out there and greeting them by name as they come in. Like that's sure. as simple as it needs to be. And, sure. and we look at these things, but but you probably even still see teachers who don't greet them as they walk in. Is that something that you've seen in schools? 
throughout your career? Um, I, I have seen, I, yeah, like, so I take the morning duty and then I stand as soon as the bell rings, I go and lock the door. Um, there's always a door holder. That person holds the door. And then I stand just inside the classroom and I literally greet each of them by name as they come in the door. Hi, Justin, you know, hi, Mary, hi, William, as they come through. So I, I don't see teachers doing that every day. I mean, they'll say hello as the kids come in, but, um, they may not specifically say each child's name, which I think is important to do just in that initial, as soon as they walk in the room, hi, Justin, hi, Mary, great to see you. Hi. Like I literally stand there and they're coming in a number order, but I say each of their names, you know, or somebody runs in at the last minute. Oh, hi, Justin, you just made it. Great job. You know, whatever it is. So, but I do, I have seen teachers that maybe don't necessarily greet them individually by name every day. Um, I'm partial. I think my school's doing a great job, but I'm, I'm sure there are teachers that don't that don't do that. Yeah, no, and I just uh, try to speak general. Nothing against any kind of school. Oh yeah, um, yeah. I think they are doing a great a great job, but I think we forget uh, that someone you know some of these kids won't ever hear their name in mm-hmm. a positive way throughout mm-hmm. their whole day, mm-hmm. and if you don't say their name or greet them, they mm-hmm. might go a whole day without. And I'm talking kindergarten through 12th grade that right. they they will not have that positive interaction with anyone throughout their whole day. So mm-hmm. such a little thing that has such high return. Uh, I just think it's so valuable. And so Clint, great to see you're doing that. That's awesome. That's a, that's a really good strategy. <laughs> I'll give myself a pat so, on the back. <laughs> I want to talk about some tips and tricks. But before I do, we got to talk about Ireland. So tell us why you went from teaching in West Data to Ireland and then came back. Tell us a little bit more about, about maybe that decision and then a little bit what that school was like there. So I, I went to Ireland to be with my now husband. His visa was, um, was expiring. He had to go back. So I went there, we got engaged, got married over there. So it was more for personal reasons that I went. Um, I always, we both knew we were going to come back to Idaho. I was, I was, the plan was to go for one year. It turned into two. Um, so I always wanted to come back. Um, the school that I taught in was a special needs school. So all of the students in the building were special needs. Um, they were grouped, uh, basically by age, similar here, they had their different grade levels um, and different classes kind of had different ability levels, I guess you could say. Um, so I had, um, so I taught there for two years. My first year was in a class that was very similar to kindergarten. It was like a morning and an afternoon class. Um, and they were very young. It was, it was almost like preschool, but they start school earlier over there. Um, so they were about four and they all had special needs. Um, and my second year, it was about a third grade level class, but we were pretty much doing a lot of, um, practicing writing your name, practicing writing your numbers. Um, it wasn't a third grade material, I guess, in, in our imagination, it was more, um, just practice with those basic skills and things like that, um, which was great. They, they did really well with it. The biggest difference I think between their school system and our school system is that all of the schools over there are religious. 
um, there's no separation of church and state. So I, I was asked to teach, um, Bible classes and, uh, stories and things like that. Um, you know, and they had services in, in the school and things like that. So that was the biggest, I think, overall difference that I saw. Um, but yeah, that was, that was, that's basically what I taught. What was it hard to get like credential? Do they have the same credentialing uh, requirements and things like that for to be a it teacher? Was surprisingly um, difficult for them to accept my uh, credential. They did eventually, but it definitely took time and phone calls and uh, a lot of well, obviously paperwork and things like that, but um, they eventually accepted it. <laughs> so I was certified in the UK and Northern Ireland to teach. And then you, and then when you guys moved back, was it easy to get a job again here in, in the States? I was very blessed. Um, there, a position opened up at Lake Hazel, um, the exact position that I had left. Um, and I had an interview and was hired, hired back basically to the same school, same building, same everything. So, um, I was very thankful, very thankful. Huh. That's awesome. Yeah. I had to reapply uh, and everything. It's obviously. Like such a cool experience. Well, it's gotta be so cool uh, to have that international experience. Uh, I, I'm a little jealous of it. Having only, <laughs> I know, but it just seems like a really unique part. It was very unique and it was very unique. Just the, um, the different ways that we speak versus how we, they speak the, the way we say things. And, and I mean, it was the kids and I talking about humor would go back and forth about the way that they pronounce things. And I pronounce things like, <laughs> like they say brown for Brown. So I would be saying, so if I started to speak in their accents with saying brown or no for now or different, like they would go, oh, this is how my mom speaks. This is how my mommy speaks, you know, and they knew that that's not how I speak, you know, like they knew uh, that. Funny. And so they, they, I, I was, a, it was a special time because I think the kids will remember that I was American, you know, and we talked about Thanksgiving on Thanksgiving, which they really didn't know anything about because it's not celebrated over there. And um, we, we definitely had some some different things. Um, just with even with verbiage and terminology, it was we, it was funny. <laughs> oh man, I can imagine that would be just really entertaining for those kids. Having such a unique background, and and so many of us teachers in Idaho grew up here and um, were educated in Idaho. I, or Utah. I think we get a lot of people from Utah. So I'm from Washington, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but to have you grow up in the Bronx mm -hmm. and then come teach in Idaho, do you, do you experience any contrast to what it was like growing up there and the education that, you know, they, you received to compared to Idaho? How would 100 you 100%. It's 100% different. I think, um, yeah. at least in the, yeah, it's 100% different. Um, the school that I went to in the Bronx was a K through eight school. There were, I want to say perhaps close to 500 kids in eighth grade. 
I mean, the school was absolutely massive. So, I mean, we have 500 students wow. in my building, you know, yeah. um, yeah. The, it was, it's huge. It's a huge building. Um, the playground was basically just blacktop, you know, it's just like a schoolyard with nothing really to do. Um, I mean, I guess in terms of the academics, it was a very similar academically, but just culturally and the environment was just so different. You know, we were in a busy city with, you know, lots going on and, and just, just a lot, just a lot happening. And there was no after school programs. There was no, you know, we do a trunk or treat for Halloween. We do a Valentine's day luncheon. We, we have an event going on all the time here. And it just wasn't really like that growing up for me. We didn't, you know, the school was so big. There were teachers that came from all over the place to, to teach there and then drove home in the evening. So it, it probably wasn't as feasible as it is here, but, um, and I'm thankful for it, but I, I think, in my opinion, I think that the environment here is perhaps um, a little more family friendly in that they have all of these events after school and, and during the day and before school and on, on the weekends for, for families. I mean, we are just constantly planning different things for the kids to be doing. And, um, and, and I just look at it and think to myself, I would have loved this if they had done this for me when I was a kid at school. And we just didn't, we just didn't have it available to us because of, I think where we lived and it just, it was, there was just too many people, but I, I love that we do these things. And for me, it's something that I would like for my kids to, to have someday. And, you know, it's, I, I kind of just prefer that type of environment, but it doesn't work for everybody. I understand that, it's, but it is very different. Well, I'm gra- glad that Idaho stand you from New York, and we're going to keep you now. So <laughs> Me stay too. Here. Just stay here forever. Um, do you, so I want to talk um, about – I'm going to jump into one thing before I, I get my final topic in here. But okay. I know a lot of us teachers are going through virtual teaching because of COVID-19. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in particular, my brain is stretched and confused of how – uh, how, for one, you run a classroom and yet manage an uh, online classroom as a kindergarten teacher. Do you want to tell mm-hmm. us what how you've experienced it and maybe some of your struggles and successes? Sure. Well, so the West Ada School District um, for our remote learning plans, we, uh, myself and the other kindergarten teacher, created the plans each week for the students. So we literally would have, you know, Monday from 9.15 to 9.30 morning meeting, and we would type out the morning meeting question, and then calendar time and what they had to do, and then English language arts and what assignment we wanted them to do. So basically lesson plans typed up, and then all of the um, associated worksheets and different things that we wanted them to go along with it. So we basically printed paper packets each week for the class. Um, Students could either print it themselves or go to the school and pick them up, and we were expected to contact the families each week to maintain that relationship and to talk to the students and to ask them questions and see if they were confused about anything on the packet and what did they respond to this question and you know what did they find in their house that starts with the letter l and things like that so um it wasn't like I had my whole class on, you know, a meeting at the same time. It was more so we sent out the work and then it was, 
individual conversations with everybody um, one-on-one. And, and, and I have to say, I, I know other districts did it differently, but I was really, um, I was really proud of the, of the plans that myself, the other kindergarten teacher came up with. I know that the parents, whenever I talked to them each week were, were so thankful because they, they would say, we just got to, we didn't know what else to do. I didn't know what else to do, but it's great to see what you want them to be doing. And they seem more invested in it, knowing that it's coming from you. And, um, and, and I love just talking to them each week and, and keeping that relationship there. And how are you doing? Have you played with your little sister today? And, you know, just, just being able to communicate with them, I felt like was really, really valuable. Um, and, and just trying to make that connection each week with each family individually. Um, so that was, that was our experience. Now, going forward, I don't know about what it will look like exactly next year and if it will be more of that whole classroom at the same time setting. I think next year, if we don't start the school year normally, it will be the most difficult for kindergarten students because they don't have anything else to compare it to. They've never been in real school. So even the first graders, you know, my students from this year, as they go to first grade next year, they have been in the classroom. They understand what it's supposed to look like and how it's supposed to run. So that will be very interesting because we'll have to really explain it and and set things up for them because they, this is just so new. At the beginning of the school year for kindergartners is so new anyway. So to throw in remote learning next year is, is just going to add a whole new dimension. So we'll just have to, we'll have to be prepared and do our best with it. Were you uh, talking to them on like a computer screen or a phone call? Um, we were using Microsoft Teams. So you could either call them because you can you can make like a phone call to a phone using Teams. Or um, if they understood how to use Teams, we could video chat just like you and I are doing. So um, it was dependent on, I guess, their whatever they preferred. You could call them or video chat with them using Teams if they preferred. Hmm. Awesome. Thank you yeah. for that. That seems yeah. so difficult. Oh my goodness. We're all, we're all kind of going through it. So I think it's valuable. Yeah. So my last thing I want to ask you is, uh, uh, if there's one tip that you could share with a teacher or someone that they could use in their classroom today that you think is just your number one, what is that uh, classroom management tip? Um, I think my number one classroom management tip would be that, If you say something and you set an expectation, you have to follow through with it. You can't go back on your expectations. I think once you say whatever your plan is, however you're going to establish things, once the rules are set in place, you have to follow through and be consistent with them. I think being consistent and showing the students that you mean what you say and you say what you mean is is going to make your year a lot more valuable and realistic. So important consistency and so hard to do. So hard to do when you have those. I always say, put those three rules on the, on the wall and you build those rules with yeah. the kids and yeah. you, you hold on tight to everything that they are sacred, you know? Yes. That's, that's how the class. Exactly. Is going, so. Exactly. But so hard to do. It, <laughs> I'm well, not saying it's all easy. I know. I know. It's and very important. 
And, and sometimes you, you know, you have a, a setup with a student who needs extra support or needs something else. And then you and that student can, can make a plan that works for you too. But then that plan has to be consistent as well. You know, whatever it is that you're doing, you'll just have to be set and they have to understand that you, that you mean it. You mean what you say and you say what you mean and, and they can take you seriously. Well, thank you so much for chatting with us and I uh, look forward to seeing all the great things that you do there in the in your school. Thank you for having me, Justin. This was great. I really hope that my words are helpful to future teachers and teachers today. So thank you. All right. See you later. Bye, Justin. If you want to take this class for credit, go to pdlearn.nnu.edu and click CPD online, then select PD in pajamas to enroll in the course.